welcome to Mechanical Freak. We're broadcasting live from the observation deck of the Space Needle in Seattle, Washington. That city of the future on the bleeding edge of neoliberal dystopia today, where we're watching cars slide helplessly down snowy hills, <laughs> smashing back and forth like pinballs on their way to the bottom. <laughs> Welcome to the show. I'm joined by Greg, Brian, Munya, and it's me, Colin. We're here to talk all kinds of fun things, but we thought we'd start with some of the the opening cultural salvos of the year, which if you're not familiar, uh, Framing, Framing Britney is one of the big ones. Adam Curtis's latest, Can't Get You Out of My Head. And uh, what was Wait, the hold third on, one? Hold on, hold on, hold on, Colin. Before but, we get okay. into any of that, all right? You guys heard about the verdict, right? The verdict. What? Is it hmm? huh? Donald Trump not guilty? Of, of what? Oh. <laughs> uh, I don't know, being impeached or something. I don't know. Uh, I guess he's still president now. Not entirely sure. I didn't know you could impeach somebody after they left office, so uh, I guess he's still president. Oh, well, I, we trusted the plan, and it paid off, finally. <laughs> Got it. Finally. That's amazing. <laughs> That's right, listeners. Where we go one, where, where we went all, we went, went one. all one, we went all, <laughs> and and that, and we where we are is the White House still. Mm-hmm. I still live in the White House with Donald yeah. Trump. I trusted in the squim revolution and uh, I've now been rewarded. Uh, but yeah, what a hilarious L for Democrats to just take for no fucking reason. <laughs> what a hilarious L for all of like QAnon fa- family members to take. Uh, you know, all, all the all the like, you know, Trump is my daddy savior people who've been screaming at their family for the last mm-hmm. four years uh, with increasing like looks of horror on their family's faces, like have finally shut up for the last like month. And now they're like, ah, see, I told you not, you know, actually I don't think they probably care, but no, 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 literally nobody cares about this impeachment. Well, the Democrats obviously don't No, it the was- Dems definitely do, or at least <laughs> Dem supporters do. Well, the Dems are right. Like there's been a lot of like, yeah, actual, just like, normie libs like going what the fuck i can't believe the democrats would blow this like this and it's like how old are you sir madam i can't believe they pulled the football away again you're an adult like but i love that like this whole thing was so fucking dumb like it, it was a foregone conclusion that nothing would come of this obviously mm-hmm. but like and that it's just political theater but like it's bad political theater it's like the Democrats are doing political theater, but they're doing avant-garde theater that even their base like isn't even isn't even le- legible to their own voters, right? Like they're not they're not like doing some pageant for their base. They're because all their base gets out of this is like, what the fuck? They all think they're fucking stupid, and it's like, well, yeah, but like, I wish you were there for all the other times that mattered. Yeah, you know, yeah. when they were fucking. Uh, supposedly incompetent, hapless, dumb shits. Another thing that's funny about this to me is that like funny or disturbing or like, I don't know what the point of this observation is. I guess the point is that we're just fucked either way. And like our institutions are just absolute 
like garbage. We have like a, a dog shit constitution. So had they succeeded by either through this impeachment or some other means, which even some libs are out there going, they still could. They could still pass, you know, whatever resolution or something. <laughs> Imagine watching this and thinking, no, oh, the Democrats. Could yeah, still this is all a something. plan. This is all yeah. they're really they're the literally process. doing the fucking 12th dimensional chess shit from yeah. the Obama years. Like it's already started. It's incredible, it, which is exactly blue and on. I mean, as much as the. Yeah. As much as people say, like the the RussiaGate stuff was like blue and on Dem mm-hmm. QAnon, it it is definitely comparable, but it does not serve the same function. The real like one to one Dem QAnon stuff is the shit from the Obama years and now, where they do something, they completely fail at everything you want them to do, and you go, no, 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 trust the plan. Yeah, trust. No, no, no. It's all gonna work out. Like they're doing, you're to you trust how smart the people are who are doing this because they're like they're doing politics in ways you don't even understand, and then you're not supposed to remember that another six months, a year later, when they've clearly fucked the dog, and that thing you cared about is never happening, like closing Guantanamo Bay, you know. But what yeah. I was going to say is, had they fucking managed to do this, the primary political and cultural effect of barring Donald Trump from, because this was why they were saying they were doing this after he was out of office, right? Was to bar him from election, from running for election again. Had they actually done this, especially done it in that way, like when he wasn't, wasn't to get him out of office, but just to prevent him from running again, the effect that would have had was to ensure that the only reason anyone would think or talk about and that would get cemented in everyone's head that Trump wasn't going to run and win in 2024 was because Congress barred him from doing so. Yeah. yeah. The reality is he's probably not going to run again. And it's because he's a loser who sucks, who most of the country hates. And his base is slowly being disillusioned. Even the, the, the hardcores who came out for this election, he's probably a spent force personally in a lot of ways. Uh, who knows? Maybe not. But that's a more likely scenario. But had they actually legally barred him from running, first of all, in four years, in that cycle, the 2024 cycle, the entire right wing would be saying Donald Trump would be running right now and he would probably be elected again, except <laughs> that Congress denied, you know, s- circumvented our uh, our democracy and disenfranchised you, the the uh, dipshit MAGA voter from doing this. That's a pretty serious, like a seriously like undemocratic concept that would be that would engulf our entire cultural consciousness, because while the right would be complaining about that and believing in 100 percent and stoking that this idea the lib media would be saying the same fucking thing day in and day out. I guarantee you they would have said every day in every bit of their coverage from the primaries on, they'd be going, well, you know, you know, who's not around is Donald Trump. And you got to figure, boy, if he was, <laughs> if he hadn't been barred from running and they'd be, you know, he'd be, they'd be, no, they'd be showing footage of a empty stage and an empty podium saying for hours, just saying, well, if Donald Trump was running, this is where he'd be. 
Basically, I mean, they'd basically be doing that because they'd be saying like, gosh, you know, he's what would this all be like? And they'd never shut up about it because they'd think of it that they like they were gloating, you know, or just trying to juice the Trump story more, you know, like as they're still going to try and do. I mean, a lot of like MSNBC is still devoted to fucking talking about Trump. Um, And I just find that a really disturbing like paradox. Like there's no real way to win in any of this shit. Um, So... Uh, you could. I don't think that's why the Democrats didn't do this. I think yeah. they're they're operating on a whole different level that is uh, dumber and more. Uh, I think they just don't give a it's shit. It's way like, dumber. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. yeah. But you're well, you're ultimately right. I honestly think this whole thing is a diversionary tactic so that they don't have to fucking provide relief checks. They don't have to let any kids out of cages and they don't have to do anything about COVID. This is just the smoke screen, the first of many smoke screens that uh, will allow them to not do any of the things that they promised. Yeah. I got them through the first month, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I look forward to next month, but uh, I mean, the big thing is, is that, yeah, have, had they actually, uh, successfully impeached Trump won every Democratic president in the future would be impeached immediately. The second Republicans were in Congress. That may happen but anyway. The funny part is, is that, yeah, you say, you know, there's it's a no win situation. What could they do? And it's like uh, they could provide universal programs that help everyone and uh, uplift poor people in this yeah, country absolutely. and become beloved. But it's so funny that we all know that's so off the table for the Democratic Party as far as anything they can offer that it is just what other idiotic uh, grandstanding could they have done that wouldn't just blow <laughs> up in their face, you know? Uh, but, you know, not speaking, not to say that these things are the same, not to end on idiotic grandstanding and say, then say this, but uh, Nancy Pelosi has promised us a 9-11 style commission to investigate the chuds in D.C. from the riot. And uh, that's got to give you some hope that the Democrats could get something done, right? I mean, surely they've blown everything up to this point, but surely this won't be an embarrassment. I mean, that is that's a really funny idea on a lot of levels. Like, I immediately <laughs> think to myself, like, as much as I would lo- like you imagine, like, wanting to see Congress, like, really exercise its subpoena power and, like, get to the bottom of things, that's obviously a fantasy. I'd sooner trust the FBI to get to, like, <laughs> some meaningful, like, conclusions about what happened on the 6th, like. Awesome. Well, you know, as we all know, the 9-11 Commission uh, p- totally put to rest any questions that anybody had about 9-11. If yeah. you were a truther, if you were a truther before that commission report, you definitely were convinced by it and weren't a truther afterwards. I mean, it's <laughs> the Saudis cleared of all wrongdoing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and just like the Warren Commission uh, put to rest every JFK theory forever. So uh, we know this commission would be very effective and would definitely uh, lead to positive results. Absolutely. <laughs> not just be another piece of the never ending culture war. That's for sure. And Nancy Pelosi also said, like, right after the Dems didn't call anyone to the witness stand and were just like, yeah, fuck it. Let's take the vote right now. And like, obviously, Trump gets like acquitted. And she like makes this <laughs> kind of bizarre speech, which she's made several times. That we're basically saying, like, we need a strong Republican Party. It's essential for America to have a very strong and robust Republican Party. And it's like, what? What even party are you in? Like, I don't know, man. Yeah. Like, that's just that's, that's just a 
bizarre. Speech. It's just yeah. a, such a bizarre statement to make, especially in that context, you know, like, and, and I'm saying like, even for Nancy Pelosi knowing who she mm-hmm. is to make a speech like that right after you completely bungle the, the impeachment and like Trump <laughs> is basically the Republican party. It's just like, yeah, man, this is, the the faith, I wonder why there's just no faith in institutions like at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, during his run for president, Joe Biden said literally those exact words as well multiple times. And it is kind of funny. I mean, you would think this would shake the faith of Democrats. Of course, it never does. But, you know, if if you truly if you're a true resistance, you know, TM believer. Right. And think that all of this was real uh, as opposed to just made up kayfabe over the last four years. <laughs> You have to ask yourself the question, like, one, why did they just end the impeachment? Because they wanted to go have a long uh, haul. They, like, wanted the long weekends. They literally, like, oh, we could call witnesses, but no, we're tired. Let's just do this. Uh, you know, why do that? And it's like, the other thing, too, is she has to say we won a strong Republican Party because if you're a true resistance believer, your answer has to be, OK, the Republicans blocked the impeachment. The only thing we do now is if you truly believe that they're this party orchestrated by Moscow to destroy America is the Democrats would have to go to war with the Republican Party. Right. And basically just say, no, we actually don't want Trump out. We want the Republican Party demolished as like a organization, you know, and <laughs> the thing is, there have been people who suggested this. And I don't think that there's actually no that this isn't nothing like there are plenty of Republicans in Congress that Joe Biden using his power as you know the head of the, you know, essentially uh, the attorney general's office and essentially the judicial branch like he literally could just put people up on charges. Like he could put members of Congress up on charges. Yeah, tons of them, yeah. He could send them to fucking jail because we all know trials are fixed in America anyways. Like, you know, you could do yeah, those well, things. If you want to, these people if, are the all guilty of crimes, whether yeah, yeah. it had to do with January 6th or not. If you so wanted for, to prosecute him, you could. But this is, this is the trick that like Pelosi and Biden are doing is – all of that is very possible, and if you're a resistance true believer, you sh- you would be demanding for it. But they're stepping in and saying, no, don't ask for that. Please don't ask for that. The problem's only Trump. All the Republicans are good guys, even though they did all the things, and, you know, and they protected Trump this entire time. Uh, let's just go back to uh, the status quo, where uh, we constantly reach across the aisle. Nothing gets done. Everybody gets everybody's worse off, except for you know fifty freak billionaires in this country. And yeah, then we'll just keep. Continuing, right. So I, I think that's the like, I think that's the game that they play with that we need a strong Republican Party, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. On that horrible note, I guess we should uh, go into finally talking about the new Adam Curtis documentary. What do you think? Yeah. We're really, we're, I, the idea I think is going to be to synthesize like a, a unitary take uh, Judas and the Black Messiah can't get you out of my head framing Brittany. I mean, that sounds great guys, but before we get into that, and I swear this is the last time I'm going to interrupt you <laughs> before we it, get Brian. into that. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed it snowed this weekend. Uh, I was out making snow angels, rolling <laughs> up little snowmen. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw this on Twitter, but a bunch of people over the East Precinct decided to make a little a little snow statue of their own. I think they're making a, a statue of the wall from Game of Thrones right outside the parking garage <laughs> <laughs> of the East Precinct. Did you guys see that shit? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was crazy. Oh, yeah. 
Trying to keep the White Walkers out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they built this, you know, for those of you that didn't see it, we'll put a link in the show notes, but they basically piled up just a giant pile of snow right outside the garage door of the East Precinct. And then some cop tried to leave, like in a giant SUV to, you know, like in one of their Ford Explorers or something, and got stuck in the pile of snow, <laughs> which is very funny. At which point they pelted it with snowballs. That's all funny. It's all good. It's equally funny that it's very clear that that stupid wall that, that the East Precinct built around itself is what allowed this to happen. <laughs> this kind of <laughs> shit. But the funniest part was later, the same person shot additional video of SPD sending one, a line of cops out to provide protection, right? So like a line of cops to like guard uh, their work crew as two other police officers came out and had to shovel the snow. And in a move that can only be described as inexplicable. One of the cops was shoveling with a pitchfork. Did you guys fucking see that shit? <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was I'm insane. The <laughs> first thing I saw, and it was... But I, the question isn't... The question, I think, it, there's a couple of questions you could ask. You could ask him, why did, why did he choose to use the pitchfork? That's not the question. The question is, why do they have a pitchfork? Because the question isn't why don't they have a snow shovel for all we know there was a snow shovel leaning against a wall next to a pitchfork and this guy i mean this is a cop we're talking about like he's like yeah the <laughs> not, thing with the three spikes our claim that cops are the dumbest people on the planet yeah for damn sure <laughs> so like that makes perfect sense to me the question is why do they have a pitchfork i i i uh suggested possibly it has to do with um equestrian units uh maybe mm-hmm. they have some of their equipment at the east precinct there aren't stables down there but i mean maybe one of their trailers is parked in their garage or something uh, and they went looting it like looking for a shovel yeah yeah like a little tool actually a big there. a fucking like horse shit shovel would, uh, would actually make a good snow shovel i mean mm-hmm. so, some snow shovels are shaped like that well, the other option was that, which is the first thing I thought of, which is a little darker, which is that the pitchfork is for when they go to clear homeless encampments and it's for throwing people's shit away. But also SPD doesn't do that. They contract that out because that would be what's called labor and they don't, they don't do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so it's not that either. And uh, so evidence locker, maybe. There are only questions about why you would own a pitchfork but not a shovel when you live in the downtown area of a major city but really fascinating stuff <laughs> either way it's an uh tool an idiot would choose to shovel snow with yeah uh, fucking amazing like it, better to use your hands you dumbass <laughs> literally anything would be better cereal with a fork. By the way, when you watch the video, and I encourage anybody that hasn't seen to click on the link and watch the video. Dude, he keeps he, he keeps going. It's he, like he does it once and it's like, oh, that was stupid, and sets it down. He keeps <laughs> going. He keeps thinking because he can kind of get because it's kind of packed yeah. together, so he can get a bit of it on yeah. top of his shovel. But then he goes to like move it to like get it by the time he gets to where he's swinging it away it's all gone it's all falling away like there's no substance to a pitchfork like it's all holes basically you know yeah. like it's, it's mostly air <laughs> but i'm fucking amazing just baby brain shit but he wasn't the only like baby brain city employee in the news because the firefighter in the long shamasawat death threat uh saga 
the is eventually found out it was a firefighter a fucking like well it was they kind of knew it was coming from a yeah. fire department yeah. this when she, when she went public with this after mm-hmm. fire department and spd did nothing uh mm-hmm. with her concerns which the story is basically this for some period shama swant has apparently been getting uh death threats from a city email Mm-hmm. from like awful not just wild. the threats but just like you know just awful screeds you know i'm sure like this shit you know real like facebook energy like but mm-hmm. with some uh sadistic malice to it um and it was coming from a fire department email yeah uh and basically when she went public with this what the letter she put out said was like they went to the city and the fire department and the fire department came back and was like, well, we asked the guy whose email that was. And, uh, he said he didn't send uh, anything to you. So they dropped (laughs) it there. At which point, at which point she continued to get nasty emails from the same email, meaning either it was that guy whose email it belonged to, or it's someone else who got access to his email and still had access, meaning they didn't, yeah. Like have him even change his password or anything. Yeah, <laughs> it uh, just did nothing. Some, it pokes some holes and somebody else sent. Is it pokes some holes in the I was hacked theory? Well, I don't. You know? I don't. I don't know what the report, the latest reporting. But what I got from the things people were piecing together is they still may think it was not necessarily it was someone in the fire department. We know now, mm. but not necessarily the person like that hasn't been cleared up all as i'm saying yeah, yeah. it may be that yeah it was just the guy this who said like no i didn't do that or it was somebody who had gotten access to an email address that wasn't theirs that wasn't the person they asked well, and who, they never had them change their password i don't think we know the answer to that yet correct we do know a little more about the identity <laughs> of the guy yeah so the actual person that was, SBD finally arrested. Yeah, it was reported that a person from the fire department was arrested for sending these emails. And when they were booked, uh, Dave Croman decided to do a little a little background search on the person that was being booked. And, you know, while all the details were 100% out, uh, at the exact same date and time, the SPD said that they had arrested and booked this firefighter. David Croman happened to note that a firefighter was shown as being booked into jail who won da 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 2018's firefighter of the year oh seattle's Seattle finest <laughs> literally seattle's finest <laughs> incredible just amazing i mean fucking unbelievable and there's sort of a couple of takes from this one is uh firefighters are cops guys <laughs> like fire pigs is real uh it happened hot after, take of the night hard pill yeah, to swallow it, fellas but yeah it happened after 9-11 like yeah. there was there was a decision where all the first responders could all decide that they were troops and join the war on terror and the fire department very enthusiastically joined in and they have gotten uh let's just say they have in their politics they've joined the cult in their man. culture they have gotten significantly worse just, they then. look you know, somehow th- this is really incredible how this happened, too, because really, yeah, 9-11, everyone's like, oh, man, FDNY, man, like those are the heroes. And the cops were like, <clears throat> first responders. What? What? <laughs> what? And, the co- and the fire department let them do it. Yeah. They just let the cops like 
come in and hog some of that glory and then ultimately took a back seat to the cops and we're like yeah yeah because they were just so proud in that moment that the cops were stealing their thunder in new york the fire departments were thinking we get to be mentioned in the same breath with the cops which just is astonishing to me Mm. i mean who would know better than the fire department really who would know better who interacts with cops on a more regular basis Mm -hmm. yeah then fire department like regular cops probably no other group of people in america Mm -hmm. daily as a fire uh, if you work for a fire department you're daily interacting with cops so you must know they're the dumbest laziest pieces of shit most cowardly fucks in america and you are someone who like goes into burning buildings to save people and you're probably a good cook too (laughs) <laughs> like and people don't mind living with you in a barrack style situation right mm-hmm. like cops couldn't hack that there there have there's nothing like that makes them really similar at all but well part of what happened was in the drug war particularly once meth started to become the uh make people scared uh you know promoting the drug war drug of choice is Fire departments all across the country were told all these things, given new regulations, right? Which is, if there's a fire and you believe that it's meth-related or something like that, this is when everybody decided that meth labs were the number one threat in America. If there's a fire that you think is a meth lab, you have to call the police first. And it basically started to create these intertwined relationships between the fire department and the police department, where I think the fire department saw themselves as cops. They were like the first line of investigators who are like, yep, it's a trailer on fire. Better not put it out. Better wait an hour for the police to show up as the trailer park burns. That's wild. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, it's, you know, that basically has been the result. The other thing, too, is the fire department. What's the rationale for waiting? Oh, because it's a crime scene yeah you know and like that's it you know uh there's there's some claims of like safety issues but the thing is if the meth lab is Sa- it's, it's so if it's, it's burning it's i mean yeah. that's the safety issue. exactly yeah presumably the, the solution is, is, will be putting it's on it fire out and you should probably put it out um that's yeah standing around letting it burn does not seem to be the safest choice by any like reasonable estimate but the uh the other part of it too. What do the cops go in? Do they go when they do show up? Do they run into the burning building to get the evidence? Yeah, I mean, who fu- like most things with policing, it was just a grab from the police to take over more of the budget and more of the duties in cities, right? Yeah. As much as police claim that shit's thrusted upon them, they go looking for all that extra work. Yeah, but uh, the other part of it too is that fire well, departments society thrusts it upon them. Yeah, yeah they exactly. they answer the call, Brad. <laughs> yeah, the society looks for a hero. And it's they a little. Concept we like to call duty. <laughs> but uh, the other part of it is that the fire departments, they, in most towns, particularly of smaller sizes, in most of the cities, fire departments do all or is at least a chunk of the paramedic work as well. Yeah. Very common. And uh, again, as part of the drug war, they have been informed that in certain situations and stuff like that, that they are supposed to be, you know, working with the police when responding to paramedic calls. And again, this goes to the other, the more modern sort of cause to show the drug war, which is fentanyl. Right. Yeah. And uh, because if fentanyl gets anywhere near you, if you get within a 1000 foot radius of fentanyl, you will die as well. Your entire family. It's uh, granted, homeopathic. Yeah. Granted that you're. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> granted you're going and dealing with a user who's using it directly all the time and is still alive but you know whatever let's drop the let's drop all reason out of the argument but because of that you know again fire departments are told if you think that this is drug related or whatever you should call the police and there have been cases where whether it's the paramedics waiting for the police or the police blocking the paramedics because the call, you know, the police got sent first to the call of people dying of overdoses because they just aren't being treated as they wait for this idiotic, you know, uh, you know, play to play out right between these two departments. But that's how they became fire picks, though. And it was all, you know, it's part of the drug war, but the 9-11 propaganda machine like really kick that shit into fucking overdrive. But yeah, so fuck the fire department, <laughs> you know, fuck this guy in particular, who does sound like Croman reports a little later in his tweets does sound like was using somebody else's. Now this guy is a firefighter, but was using some other firefighters email address, which is really fucking funny. Well, that's you know? yeah. I mean, we just don't, who knows you know. at this point, there's very little information out. I mean, it may just be one guy. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe they went to the guy, two thousand is twenty eighteen firefighter of the year, and were like, <laughs> uh, "This crazy uh, communist uh, bitch on the city council says you like said some mean things to her in an email. Is that true? Oh no, oh, well, don't <laughs> worry. Great, go on with your day, sir. You know, and that's probably what happened. Oh, I'm sure. If they even got that far, yeah. Like, I I mean, like the city email thing is just like so wild to me, though. Like Mm -hmm. the the, it's kind of like, you know, like messaging like a high level executive of your company, like on the company email. You know, like it's just like I feel like that even points to a bigger just like I don't know how emboldened these departments kind of are. Yeah, that's a good point. Like how how you have to like what headspace you have to be in to think like. No, this you're going to get away with that. This is very much. I mean, this ties into the Capitol riot, right? Where you had all these people that were literally like storming the Capitol going, look at me, Bob Simpson from Youngstown, <laughs> Ohio, address, you know, social security, number one, breaking laws, right? Yeah. You know, like, and the cops looking at him going like, well, I mean, they are yeah. Americans exercising their First Amendment yeah. rights, you know, well, exactly what are you going right. to do? I think that, you know, for as big a victim complex as the right has, it is fascinating, these little moments to show they operate with total impunity. And you see that because of the blatant, like, no person who had any fear of ever getting in trouble. I mean, forget legal charges. I mean, fear of just getting sanctioned by your boss would ever do something like this. Like, you know, this means that they have a culture of complete and total impunity when it comes to engaging in their insane right-wing vendettas and, you know, bullshit, right? And, I mean, it reminds me, too, of the cop who, if you guys remember, when they... Uh, when the city council hilariously voted to approve the new contract for Spog and this whole scandal broke out that just prior to approving the contract, that cop who had like punched a hand, like a handcuffed girl in the back uh-huh. of his car broke her eye about how they had basically dropped all the charges on him and re or not dropped the charges, had dropped all their uh, tis tiskings of him and had rehired him with back pay and stuff. But the city had directly conspired to cover that up so that the spog contract could pass and basically everybody in the city and the police department lawyers were all like oh no like we just didn't know that was happening and even though you have emails of us conspiring about it and everything that's just all (laughs) out of context and then when the, the the seattle times asked the fucking cop right the cop 
you know, at the center of this and was like, so the city says that this is all just a misunderstanding and that, you know, they weren't trying to cover up your uh, being let off for this, you know, and being rehired. And he was like, oh, no, they they covered it up so that we could get the spog contract signed. My boss told me that. And uh, also, <laughs> I did nothing wrong. And like, and it's like. Somebody only does that when they live a life of total impunity, which, by the way, the city had just confirmed to him that he did, (laughs) you know, and this is the fire department guy, you know. I get that I'm mailing from my work address. I can't wait to to learn more about this fire department guy and what the fire department's going to, I don't know. What the fire department's going to not do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I <laughs> all the many said ways it will do, not change like, in any way because of us, except for they all hate Shamasawat that much more. Yeah, it's just so fucked up. That's so fucked up that the that culture has seemingly been able to take over a fire department, a thing that society. I mean, these two these two institutions could not be more different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a thing society actually yeah, needs. Right. Yeah. Everyone in society wants. Yep. We'd like their budgets to be bigger. Uh, <laughs> Something people actually demanded be taken mm-hmm. under government control. Yeah. Right. That was initially yeah. private. And people demanded it be taken we under government not control. Need it and wanted to be. They could like potentially a- be. You know, in solidarity with mm-hmm. everyone. I mean, right. hey, God, it's like an France, essential the, service that literally like saves lives. You know, yeah, yeah. In French uh, labor protests, the firefighters always show up as the first line of defense against the police. Yeah, they yeah. light like, themselves yep. on fire, dude. They light yeah. themselves on they love fire. That shit. It's they love that shit. They're real showboats. Those fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, French plus firefighter. Of course, they're showboats. But yeah, I mean, like they'll, they'll spray the cops with their hoses and stuff. Like, I mean. There's no reason why they should be allied with the police, but in America, that has been the, fucking, the, the process over the last couple of decades. I mean, it's diabolical. Mm-hmm. There's a fucking lot of them, and people, everyone loves them. Mm-hmm. They're hot. I mean, like, yeah. you, they there should are a group be fucking of people, cops' wives. One of the most powerful unions in America, <laughs> along with the cops, like, perfect, perfect, like, someone saw an opportunity there. Some fucking cop. Mm-hmm. Peep, unions and fucking chiefs saw an opportunity at some point and were like, we need to get, we need to make, we're, we're adjacent to them. We interact with them. We need to bring them on side. Like, mm-hmm. and they did it. I don't, I mean, fuck, man. Oh, God, that fucking sucks. Well, if you're ready to hear about more city shit that sucks, uh, Colin, there was like a little article that you, that you found, right, for us. Yeah, there was, but I just—are we ever going to talk about this? These movies? Oh, Colin, this is just one last thing. All right, so one last thing, and then we'll talk All about right. the movies. Uh, are you sure we're going to get to the movies? I really want to talk li- about the movies. Listeners, 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 hang in with us. This is going to be an extra long episode. We're going to talk movies, everything you want to know about. Greg's got a Jar Jar Binks take that's going to blow your fucking <laughs> socks off. But, but seriously, I mean, look. I just want to get through this house cleaning before we talk about the movies because the movies, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. We're talking Hollywood. The stars are out. Uh, But I mean, we can't talk about that. Then close with this. It's too depressing. (laughs) Got to do this first. All right. Yeah, I I suppose you're right. So yeah, keeping on the theme of jail. um, (laughs) Jail and evil. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Coming to you live. (laughs) <laughs> a few adjacent neighborhoods to Seattle are getting some 
big ideas about how to solve their unhoused population crisis. And um, we're going to read something that came from Publicola, written by Erica C. Barnett, which is about Mercer Island's plan to ban homeless people. Um, So we'll just begin. On Tuesday, the Mercer Island City Council is scheduled to vote on a proposal to ban all camping, that's in quotes, in the city, including sleeping unsheltered in public places and sheltering in a vehicle overnight. People who violate the ban, anyone who remains unsheltered in the city overnight, could be jailed for up to 90 days and fined $1,000 for each violation. Any vehicle that is used for overnight shelter, including RVs, could be impounded. At a Mercer (laughs) Island City Council meeting last month, Councilmember Jake Jacobson said the proposed ordinance addresses public safety concerns about people who, but for this ordinance, wouldn't be staying in public properties for an infinite period of time and certainly are in a position to be of, of concern to people on the island. Fear... There is fear out there, and this is a way to deal with it. So, this well, is, it sure is. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is one of those like classic things that you always get in these crime panics. Uh, which we got this when Jenny was having sending extra patrols to the South Side of Seattle, mm-hmm. like the Central District, the emphasis like patrols. That. Yeah, yeah, and people were like, uh, "Well, there's no actual increase in crime in any of these places." She's like, "Yeah, but there's an increase in fear, and isn't that the same thing?" And it's like. No, actually, it's not. It's <laughs> no. It's, it's like, actually just you being a fascist. Yeah, and you know, you could get into, and we actually there's actually an article from last year up on Mechanical Freak. They can even read about this, the legal argument about how you actually can't ban people from sleeping on public property and stuff like that. Uh, but it turns out that homeless people. Uh, when you have a court system that's based entirely off of money and your ability to pay lawyers and stuff, uh, homeless people have a hard time fighting these kind of bans. So they get passed anyways and stay uh, in existence for all these. But pure fucking, pure evil. Are you, are you homeless? Well, you got to go to jail. Then. <laughs> I mean, just fucking shit. Well, you could just like stay out, stay out of Mercer Island and you won't have that problem, will you? Yeah, no problem. When every city passes it, right? You know, all you have to do is just simply not exist. Yeah. Levitate a thousand also, feet I mean, in the air. I love, like, <laughs> there is no one living in their car or their RV on Mercer Island who was not born on Mercer Island. Like, the, you don't like, you don't drive around looking for a place <laughs> to park yeah. your RV and go like, I don't know, Mercer Island sounds nice <laughs> for this month. Well, uh, why don't we continue? Those are people I, I, who live in that community. I, I think we're going to get into that a little, so why don't we continue? And if people say they don't want help and say, I'm not going into shelter, Jacobson continued, then they have made a decision to opt into the justice system. Yeah. So wow. Holy yep. shit. Yep. Yeah, just let that sink in. Maybe Wait, maybe give that another read. Read that quick, to Colin. me again. Yeah, run that shit back. Ben. Sure. Um, and if people say they don't want help and say I'm not going into shelter, Jacobson continued, then they have made a decision to opt into the justice system. <sighs> Where do you start? I'm 
I mean, that Jesus Christ. Uh, what? Uh, what a fucking prick. Um, yeah, I don't know why. Uh, uh, I guess, you know, you get out into these suburbs and people just say it, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like not even sugarcoated, you know, they have to pretend here in Seattle. Um, And of course, it's the same logic. This is, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what one of the many canards of like, oh, yeah, it's these people who are who would rather be on the street than take all the housing we want to give them, meaning like, (laughs) Uh, 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 an individual shelter for a night where you don't have, you don't get to have any belongings or, or that the car you, you own that you're sleeping in, you don't get to have that either. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, that aside, like, yeah, I mean, that's what he's saying. It's like, your life's not going well. You don't take our really lousy uh, solution for that. Our really shit, like the the shit on a plate we're offering you. You're you're a criminal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a literal criminalization of poverty. Basically, saying if you're poor, you either have to go to the uh, shithole concentration camp we built for you, or you can go to prison. The other concentration camp we built for you. One or the other. All right. Well, it's, I'm sure it's going to pick up, though. A federal appeals court ruling, Martin v. Boise, bars cities from passing outright bans on homelessness. Instead, it allows cities to ban sleeping outdoors unless there is no available shelter in the area. But the definition of available and in the area are very much open to interpretation. Gotta love um, the law, baby. Once again, the law saves us all. <laughs> Thank you, all of the Supreme Court justices that we've <laughs> celebrated over the years. Thank you to every courtroom drama TV show that we've yeah. had. Uh, we did it. This is <laughs> we did it. The the majesty of it all. We're a society of rules. <laughs> As the Joker would say, we are a society. <laughs> we live in a society. <laughs> this is Jokerifying me, like, even more than I already am. Like, I can feel the Joker makeup just, like, come onto my lips at this point. Mm-hmm. The Mercer Island proposal gets around Boise by saying that police who encounter unsheltered people may direct them to shelter outside Mercer Island, but on the east side, since Mercer Island does not have any homeless shelters. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> what, what a convenient strange. situation for <laughs> Mercer Island and their police. In practice, this means one of four shelters, one for women, one for men, one for families with children, and one for youth. In exchange for these services, Mercer Island would pay a consortium of East Side service providers a total of $10,000 a year. <laughs> Just holy shit. Jesus Christ. So fucking gross. Just top to bottom. So fucking disgusting. Yeah, at least someone's making money, right? The bill defines <laughs> available broadly. <laughs> allowing police to enforce the law against people who can't be admitted to their designated shelter because of the voluntary actions of that person, including intoxication, drug use, unruly and or assaultive behavior, and like behaviors. 
Under proposed ordinance, for example, if a homeless man was ineligible for the lone men's shelter because he was exhibiting behavioral health symptoms that made him unruly, he could be seen as refusing shelter and jailed. Being, <laughs> uh, I'm not resi- I'm not resisting shelter. I'm literally mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Yep. That sends you to jail. Uh, if the police officer decides you're drunk, which, by the way, doesn't have to be, uh, you know, that doesn't have to be confirmed in any way. Like, that doesn't have to involve uh, breathalyzer or anything. It's strictly up to the police officer, right? Decides that you're drunk, you get to go to jail, right? Uh, basically, if you do anything short of just licking their fucking boots and <laughs> begging them to please not take you to prison, they can take you to jail. Well, they still can do it. They can still do it then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, it's putting the homeless in a position of total sub, you know, subjugation to the police officer, right? They're totally at the mercy and a whim of the cruelest, most violent people in our fucking society. Mercer Island police chief Ed Holmes assured the council that then police were interested Wait, what? I think there's a typo here. Sorry. Yeah, Chief Ed Holmes assured the council that police were interested in helping homeless people, not further marginalizing them. Rest assured, we won't take enforcement action until there's repeated issues, he said. Oh, surely that oh, won't I, I happen. Feel assured. Surely. I feel assured. I'm good. I'm good now. Well, I, I was worried for a second. Look, if... Look, anyone who's only homeless for one day is safe in Mercer Island. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. The second yeah. day, however, you're a repeat <laughs> offender. Yeah, of being poor. Yeah, I mean, at this point, like I, I've been poor my whole life, so I mean, I must be on the shit list. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not. You're on. You're on the drive. Mercer Island most wanted list, Greg. Better not. Better not park your boat over there. That's all I can say. Yeah. <laughs> Better not yeah, talk at Mercer a, Island. If I'm, you know, I tried to take the 90. There's like a uh, sign before the Rainier exit says, uh, Greg, exit now. <laughs> you're, not allowed, you're not even allowed to drive drive over Mercer Island on the 90. <laughs> <laughs> but Sergeant Mike Seifer, who presented the legislation to the council, noted that it was aimed at addressing a specific group of people, about four individuals that we deal with on a very serious or consistent basis. That's in quotes. In public is it, spaces. Which, which, which is it? Is it serious or just consistent? <laughs> <laughs> it is an or. It's an or statement. Mm-hmm. Plus about six or seven that are in vehicles that are consistently coming into contact with the officers. So basically what he's saying is there's 11 homeless people on Mercer Island and they've basically uh, brought all their political institutions together to create this <laughs> disgusting fucking law to get rid of them. Yeah. Yeah. Great. One way or another, the law would allow Mercer Island police to remove those 10 or so people from the island. Jesus Christ. Either by jailing them in another city, such as Issaquah, or by sending them to a shelter off the island. Council member Craig Reynolds, who cast the lone no vote against the ordinance on first reading, 
noted that the city's jail contracts don't come cheap. Jailing a person costs the city about $200 a day, or up to $18,000 for the maximum 90-day sentence. Well, he really hit the nail on the head of what's wrong with this ordinance, so good job. Yeah, Not fiscally if responsible. Cheap, if it was cheap to do it, totally would have voted yes, but unfortunately, we got to balance the budget. Hmm. Well, and That's it does, why. And it does clarify, you know, something that we mention on the show all the time. But yeah, I mean, it's of course gross. They're just making this a budgetary issue. But if they're saying like, yeah, it'll cost us about $200 a day to send these people to jail. One way you could take that is, oh, for a lot less money, this, you know, Mercer Island could just house these people. But it shows that for Mercer Island, this isn't just about housing people. This is about seeing right. these as non-humans, as right. vermin that have to be getting gotten well, rid about of. Right? drawing a line mm-hmm. early as, so that as our housing crisis explodes in this country, it's just very clear from the beginning that they, those people are just never going to be welcome on the island, ever. Yeah, and it's, it's not even going to be a question of it getting out of hand about parks being filling up with people, about like that people demanding to build like public housing or shelter on the island. It's never going to get there. They're not going to la- allow those questions to even come up. Yeah, and it, in speaking to that exact point, uh, you know, at Plantarier Motive on Twitter. You know, I think responding probably to this story in part posted about a story on uh, my Northwest, basically about Marysville, who has the exact same law, basically that Mercer Island has just passed. And they write Marysville has a population just short of 70,000. The nearest place for the unsheltered to go uh, and get services is one town away, meaning Everett, about six miles. The only way to get to Everett is by traveling high-speed highways, you know, for people that presumably don't have cars. Uh, Our town's preferred response is shown below, which is to essentially uh, send them to prison, right? And so Marysville has a law very similar to this. Um, Arlington has a law very similar to this, right? It's all basically the same stuff. Uh, Seattle, you know, up until 10 years ago, actually had a very much more complex and intricate system of uh, uh, area banishments where homeless caught in one area of town were not allowed to enter that sector again for like a certain amount of time and stuff. But all these towns are going to start doing this because I think for the exact reason that you mentioned Gregor this is all they've been doing it but it's going to heat up for the exact thing that you said which is we all know we're heading towards an even more massive housing crisis once they allow the evictions to to begin again and all the cities are getting prepared and the political reality in these in the suburbs in America is they they have the political will to do this right like they can get these institutions together and their voters will go on this and we're talking about like fascist america here Mm -hmm. like um and what it's going to do is yeah it's going to force everybody out well those 11 people who i'm not even just saying i think were became homeless on mercer island i'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and say almost all of them were probably literally like grew up on the island were born there because like what the fuck else are you doing there uh if you're trying to live in a in a trailer if it's not the community you live in, if you don't have friends and family there and a job, like what the fuck are you doing there? Uh, that's going to be my guess. I mean, I think it's cool if you're like 
I, I'm I'm going to live out of my van and I'm going to choose to do it on Mercer Island. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a <laughs> that's cool. You, more people should do that, um, except they're going to fuck with you now. But what it's going to do is like all the suburbs are all going to be able to do this. And it's going to it is going to as people are just driven out of their homes in droves over the next couple of years like they're all going to end up in seattle mm-hmm. uh man people think there's a lot of visible homelessness littering up their beautiful city now i mean just gonna wait. be you know this mm-hmm. this isn't going to be allowed to exist the suburbs are all looking at the cities going we will not allow these the sub human vermin in our city in our little hamlets like that's not going to happen island or no so they're just not going to let that happen on any on any level. So that is going to drive everybody into major cities. And here it's certainly going to be Seattle, but it's it's going to fuel. It's going to be like an escalating a downward spiral of continually fighting to not abuse these people, to not be rousting them with the cops and the navigation teams, not be throwing their shit away to be able to actually finding them actual housing all the while that it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And all the, the fucking white homeowners in Seattle are going to be going, they're all just coming from everywhere else. Like mm-hmm. they already say now to our beautiful city of Seattle. And they're not going to be fucking wrong. You know, mm-hmm. well, it's just going to be real fucking ugly. I mean, yeah. obviously in a human toll, it's going to be mm-hmm. really disgusting, but politically it's going to be ugly as well. Yeah. And if you think that anybody's going to wise up or get smart to this again, you can go on to the mechanical freak and read another article that's up there from maybe even longer ago, maybe a year and a half ago or something when we first created the freak that talks about how Seattle has handled the homeless population at very different times. And during yeah. the height of the great depression, you can go to the Seattle Times and read all these same articles complaining about all oh, the homeless. They're coming. Who knows where they're coming from? Uh, but got to get <laughs> rid of them. Clean them out. You know, all this kind of stuff. So don't think that people are going to be reasonable about this anyway. Now, I will point out that uh, Reuters did also this week probably hearing our cry from, you know, the West Coast here. Reuters listens to our podcast, mm-hmm. I think. Then in answering us, they posted uh, this little short video on Twitter uh, letting us know that there is in uh, Ulm, Germany, there's a German solution to homelessness. Go go on. Whenever I I hear German solution to a people problem, (laughs) I always perk my ears up and get excited. Uh, This is this weird thing that they call a nest that they were dropping (laughs) around town this is so so great this is the next evolution of this concept but i love it we're gonna have to post the video and god damn it listeners if you haven't seen this you need to go watch this video it looks like a mix between a doghouse and a coffin yeah like that's the only way to describe it like Like a sensory deprivation tank a hyperbaric (laughs) chamber all i'm saying is that if urbanists figure out i guess find out about like German lib designers, like the world is coming to an end. American <laughs> urbanists figuring out like the lib German designers around the country doing this. This is just like, this is pure, like um, this is just pure German designer brain right here. And it's, 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 it's a blessing that like their, their poison hasn't like reached our poison yet to form <laughs> like a, a mega poison. 
It's so, going to be that Twitter meme of like, you know, if uh, this designer or urbanist was in charge, this is what the world would look like. And it's that future scene. Yeah. Ever, the, the whole landscape is just going to be these coffins just everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be climbing into their night coffin. Right. It's actually the it's actually the wide from the Matrix. You yeah. know, the first yeah. wide shot, you know. Um, OK, so this story, this is basically this is this long, long line uh, it's the newest iteration of this. There's this problem. We have these people who don't have anywhere to be, and it's particularly at night. And the answer to that is so fucking obvious. Like, it's give them homes. It's like create yeah. a, a, an economy that works to give them homes. And short of that, just, you know, use all the excess profit of the shitty economy you do have to give them homes. What the lib brain does instead of doing that is think to itself, well, what can we – it's really a technological problem, right? It's like a cost yeah. effectiveness problem that can be solved by technology. And as as uh, liberal you know, in society progresses, the answer to this equation just keep getting fucking worse. It mm -hmm. starts all the way back in the early 19, like the mid 19th century, where I, I just mentioned this again a couple weeks ago because I brought this up when it, we were talking like two, three years ago about the like container fucking houses, the st mm -hmm. container stacks someone wanted to build. Same concept, same progression. It starts. In England in the mid-19th century when young Prince Albert thinks he's invented the concept of the apartment building as a way to house the urban poor of uh, industrializing England, of London, going like, look, no, oh, there's all these people on the streets or in these tent shanty towns or living 45 people to a, a flat, but we could build a building that would have separate units in it. That would house families and it's like, yeah, OK, but, he, th you know, thinking about like a technological issue all along the way, it's always this like uh, lately it's been like, how do we make like tiny homes? It's like, what if you built got like uh, still very expensive, probably still useful as as shipping containers and re refurb them into into uh, a, a small apartment and it's like you could just say why don't we build an apartment yeah, but, right. the, but up until now up until the in the pre between the 2008 crisis and covid in this sort of the the lost decade here the answer the phase i think we're in, entering a new phase so there's been lots of phases between uh young stupid prince albert uh and this period but the pre but i think we're entering a new one the previous phase between the two crises the lost decade here the this stuff has been about okay how do we give someone an apartment but take the dignity out of it yeah how yeah. do we if we're gonna give someone something we're okay we like admit okay all right someone needs a place to sleep Okay, what else do they need? God, a uh, place to put stuff, okay? Um, oh, shit. Uh, toilet and bathing facilities. God damn it, they're going to need to cook something, too. And by the time you, you've thought of all this, you're realizing, well, fuck me. They, they need an apartment, don't they? God damn it. And... 
but you think, but we can't just that, to just build public housing and make sure people had that'd be that'd be giving that'd be letting these people get away with stuff. The vermin would be rewarded for being the you know pestilence that they are. So if we're gonna do this because we need to solve it for ourselves because they're a blight on society and you know out of our compassion, we need to give them <laughs> something that solves these problems, but in the supposedly most cost-effective way that also strips all dignity away from it. So you've got, there's different levels of this. There's the apodment, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which a very, you know, in the mid, mid lost decade period, tons of those blew up in Seattle, these little coffin sized, uh, apartments with a microwave, a tiny sink and a toilet and a bed and then a communal kitchen downstairs. So that's one. like the actual house. That's like the give them an apartment they can't afford yeah. still. And there's level. one that opened up in the U district that I think the Times or somebody had pointed out was one square foot smaller than the jail cells at the county jail. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> um, <laughs> presumably you share those with someone, though. So that's that's like that's just the private economy. That's commodified poor people housing. Now, if we're going to subsidize it, if we're going to but like still do it as a business model like startup. It's take containers and build the stacks out of them. And they're the same thing, but like with even less dignity because they're made out of uh, junk <laughs> and they and they and they look like shit and we'll do it as a startup, but we'll take like grants and shit. Then it's like, OK, you know what? That's very conceptual. We just need something like that's almost too like modern and cool. And some people then people started to take this idea and like just do cool, modern micro living out of it yeah. <laughs> uh, and like. And so they're like, okay, you know what? Just sheds. Just sheds. Give people sheds to live in. The same idea. Like, how do we get the the basic necessities of that and give people fucking sheds and uh, call it a tiny house? And now with the this nest, which is like a coffin-sized pod, we've reached a new phase, okay? So post-COVID, this new collapse of the economy and the clearly approaching, like, uh, housing bomb, someone's realizing that, like, forget dignity. Dignity's out the window. We solved the problem of dignity in this equation. We learned how to completely strip it away from our solutions here, okay? (laughs) Now we we actually realized things are so bad we can strip away everything else. What do the homeless actually need? <laughs> they just need a place that has a bed that is sheltered from the elements at night. Yeah, that's it. So it's <laughs> like a tent to the bare minimum. <laughs> it's it, it it is like a tent except it's hard plastic and can be like dropped by a forklift. <laughs> so you can lay them out in like like as if a graveyard above ground for the homeless to come at night. You know, it'll open uh, at a certain time for them or something and they can get in and it'll lock them in all night and then it'll open in the morning. They have to probably vacate the premises. This is how I imagine this. What other possible use you would have? What an absurd, insane thing. What are you, you're not going to invest in this as a homeless person. So this is obviously being marketed toward municipalities to like do some, but you're, you're creating a permanent mobile 
tent thing to do. This is for this is a product to sell to the people who are saying, you know what? We there's all this like open desert out 10 miles outside the city. That's where the homeless could be all day. Uh, but then you get out there and you go in like, L.A., by the way. Yeah, exactly. So like desert commons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but so but now these cities that are doing this are going like, yeah, boy, this is a lot of like services. We, we everyone's got to have tents or they're sleeping on the ground and there's like all this other shit. And it's like this is people trying to sell these people products. If someone saw the need of, oh, boy, they're building these basically homeless concentration camps outside of towns or these like parks they're letting fill up with tents and they're trying to provide services on some level in this really dystopic uh minimalist absolute like bare minimum way what if we could saw so sell them a product that was made for this yeah i'm i'm gonna guess that it can be hosed out easily i'm guessing that it can come with a subscription for new mattresses and and sheets right if that or like probably uh, like you know has a hosable was, mattress wait, like wait, if this was in the u.s it would be a subscription service that the homeless would have to buy right yeah of buy, course you know. like <laughs> it's just yeah line people up and let them you know let them sleep for the night i mean it's industrializing our absolute idiotic last ditch pointless fucking emergency thing on like a permanent basis yeah it's what can you make that's the least possible dignity and allows everyone to still see that these people are not human like you (laughs) right it is all a part of the dehumanization like maintaining dehumanization because they've done it right so it's yeah yeah. i mean i think you just hit the nail on the head yeah, and again, listeners, I encourage you to go look at this. I mean, there's the only way to describe it is a doghouse mixed with a coffin. Like that's the only way to describe yeah, it. No, From the future, bad yeah, shit. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah, looks like a doghouse opens like a coffin, <laughs> and you get in it like a coffin. Um, <laughs> if you just open this latch right here and just get in, and uh, yeah, yeah, just close the latch, and you, <laughs> yeah. you're in the you're six feet deep. By the way, how? Uh, I mean, that is a move of real bravery to open up some weird contraption that a German made for you like that and actually get inside it. Yeah, just it has like- <laughs> it has what I think is some sort of heater, but it's got this like vent system at the top. Oh and no! Stuff. I think I would oh, look at that no, and be like, "Don't do that." Mm, I'm gonna hold off on That's that one. Fritz. Eyebrow raising. <laughs> oh shit! You never know with the Germans. You could go into the same thing for days. And come out fine. And then one day, yep, not so good. Yeah, exactly. The crafty. Um, well, guys, Colin. All right, so we're gonna get to I the got, movies, right? I I gotta apologize, guys. I think we're running over. I don't think that we can get to the movies today. Uh, okay, that really but, sucks. But uh, if everyone wants to follow us on the Patreon, I think we can cover it. Oh, oh yeah, we'll we can do that there. on the Patreon. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. do it on the Patreon. Hell okay, yeah. full synthesis. Uh, we're we're gonna weave it all together. This is real. That's you don't want to miss what we're this. doing on the Patreon. Um, Brian, you want to tell us though about um, your new piece on the Mechanical Freak this week before we go? 
we're serious about talking about all those movies on the Patreon, everybody. It's, it's really <laughs> happening. It's not a joke. <laughs> but yeah, we actually are going to do that. Um, yeah, I'm a mechanical freak right now. Just this week, uh, I released a article. It's a little long. I apologize. Called Militia Madness. But there's a lot to get into. And it basically covers, in the 1990s, a series of bungled police, you know, uh, uh, bungled police PR events, uh, mainly Waco Ridge and uh, Waco, or Waco Ridge, Ruby Ridge and Waco, uh, embarrass law enforcement and threaten some budgets. Uh, but the main thing was Timothy McVeigh, a right-wing terrorist, you know, if you want to use that word, but a right-wing bomber blew up the Oklahoma City building, killing a bunch of people. And the Democrats said, hey, you know, after all these events, we have to do something about the uh, threat of right-wing terrorism in this country. And used to talk about all these dangerous right-wing militias, all these racist groups, everything that we claim that we want to hear from the Democrats today and are hearing from today. And Bill Clinton demanded that Congress give him some domestic or some anti-terrorism legislation. It began as domestic, but we'll see that it morphs from there. Mm, but demanded some anti-terrorism legislation. Uh, he eventually got it, signed it into law. In practice, what it did was strip habeas corpus rights, which is your right to appeal your conviction from essentially inmates, you know, all inmates, but death row inmates in particular. It doubled the amount of people executed in this country over the court within two years. The amount of people executed yearly doubled. Uh, it created the terrorism watch list, that thing that we all love so much. Uh, or, I'm sorry, that's terrorism watch list. The state sponsors of terrorism list, that thing that we love so much. And uh, finally, it created expedited deportations for people crossing the border, particularly crossing from Mexico into the United States. Um, so as Biden calls for a you know, domestic terrorism bill or whatever, I strongly suggest that people go Read this article and check out what happened the last time the Democrats did this. All right. And uh, before blindly supporting any of these things, not that any of our listeners would, but definitely check it out. Yeah, we'll do. It's very good. Yeah. Check it out, everybody. Yep. And we uh, we have one new patron to thank. Allie Bryson. Thank you. Hey, Allie. Yeah, let's go. Munya brings in another one. And uh, Ali, you can come listen to us talk about movies. Well, specifically, uh, again, yeah. about Judas and the Black Messiah, Framing Britney, and the new Adam Curtis, and what it all means, like, in mm-hmm. one unified synthesis, one theory. Yep. 2021, baby. This is it. The this way of the be future. About. <laughs> the way of the future.